I'm Sarah Fry. Welcome to Patent Pod. In a previous episode, we learned about cultural navigation, this model for providing linguistically and culturally relevant support to English learners and their families. We also learned why the individuals that serve as cultural navigators work so hard to build partnerships and empower the students and their families. Rejoining us today to continue this conversation about cultural navigation, um, we have Maria Ronneberger and Josh McManus. We're also joined by some new friends, Aaron Conahan, Lois Spiler, and Mark Sims, to help us understand how cultural navigation is operationalized and really what it looks like as a system. Welcome, everybody. To begin and dig into this system view of cultural navigation, you know, that's a question I believe that Maria gets asked a lot in the field is, okay, I understand what it is, but really, how does it work? Erin, from your perspective um, as an administrator at the School District of Lancaster, what does it look like? How do you operationalize it? Sure. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, we love to talk about cultural navigation. We feel so blessed as a district that we have this phenomenal resource over the last seven years. Uh, it has evolved quite a bit from when it first started. But from an operational standpoint, what we um, make sure that all of our cultural navigators have and that we've done from the beginning is really integrate the navigators as staff in our district. So it's the little things. They have badges. They have email access. They have full access into our student information system. Those logistics that we give our employees, we wanted to ensure that our navigators have the same ability. And it also creates um, a circle of trust <laughs> um, with our partnership. So our navigators are really embedded in the buildings. They, um, seven years ago when it started, it was sort of like a secret in the district. I mean, they were housed at one building and there was one or two buildings that were really utilizing this service. And uh, Josh and I would go to principal meetings and we would like talk about <laughs> the service, trying to get um, more buildings to be aware of it and utilize it. But then once like the secret got out, it just really spiraled um, in a good way. And then more navigators came on board. We were able to offer more languages. Um, so the way it works now is that the cultural navigators are really embedded in the buildings. Like I said, they have the, that district level access. Um, and we have changed it to somebody just would contact a navigator and um, we would start getting people services to now it's more formalized. So the navigators, um, there's a, a streamlined like application, so to speak, where um, it's a referral process and it's embedded into the MTSS teams that we have. So somebody on the IU side kind of manages that process as an inventory. We use Smartsheet, that's what works for us. Uh, so then we're just able to track it as well and the time and if we do say no, you know, capturing the reasons why. Um, and then the MTSS teams identify who has a need and then completes the Smartsheet form and it gets sent to the IU. They process it through their end and, um, and then they start providing services. Something else we've added is um, there's a touch point through our enrollment system. So when families enroll in the district um, and if they need um, language testing or anything else, 
uh, they can make referrals that way as well. And um, navigators um, in the past, sometimes they come with families to enroll or um, resettlement agencies will come um, to enrollment as well. And um, we're able to really just plug people in from the get-go. Um, another way that um, we've really operationalized it is through welcoming schools, which I think is probably the most phenomenal um, opportunity that we're able to provide is that the not only for the families that have a different educational experience, but it allows the navigators to meet with the building teachers and administrators alongside the family and really share like firsthand how, how how the education system works, what the family has experienced previously, what they'll get here. Um, and it allows the administrators and the teachers to really welcome them into the building and kind of start that relationship. Thanks, Erin. I, I Calling back to previous conversations um, that we've had with our cultural navigators, something that was inspiring was that many cultural navigators before the term existed were doing this in the community, um, kind of offering this just personalized support. Um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about how it grew from maybe this informal process into literally a component of your MTSS programming and structures. So, you know, recognizing that effort and that that interest and that passion from our cultural navigators, but putting it into a, a, a system to ensure that families and students that, that need these services are able to receive them. And it's I, something that you said that also kind of stood out to me was that not only is it embedded in that NTSS process, but literally from the enrollment, at the time of enrollment, um, you're you're capturing that information and data and reacting to it as needed. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And I would say that, you know, pre-pandemic, that was not necessarily the case. I think we were slowly working towards it, but, you know, the pandemic, there were some benefits that came out of it, which, you know, really shifted how we do business, right? And um, I do not think with the rate, especially in the beginning, like that, you know, early spring, um, of 2020, the information was changing so rapidly. We knew we we were missing out, and that families were not getting it. And uh, so we were able to engage the navigators very quickly and make sure that um, the communications, you know, really made sense for the families that we were using that ourselves that we were using the right kind of language, um, and having those nuances of. No, no, don't say this, say this instead, <laughs> you know, but we didn't know that. So uh, that would have been a disaster, I think, otherwise for us. So having the navigators there and then because of that, we, I mean, we were meeting once a week with the navigators. Um, now we meet every kind of three or four weeks and it's just really a touch point of our overall communication practices as a district. What are we missing? What are the navigators hearing? Um, you know, if whereas there's a disconnect and it's, so beneficial, not only for us, obviously for our families, um, and I think the IU 13 as well, but um, it's a wonderful relationship. You know, and I, you'll have to forgive me. I've I've been learning more about cultural navigation, and I'm, I'm just so excited about it. Uh, for our audience members um, that may have may not have had the opportunity to view or listen to that previous episode with our cultural navigators, we, we did hear some very personal stories about the why it matters and and why it's effective in in our school in our schools in our districts, but.
but I'd like to circle back on that um, in this episode. Um, you know, from your perspectives as administrators, uh, we've got Lois on here, who is a cultural navigator, and then our previous guests, Maria and Josh, just to kind of frame it out before we even dig deeper into like, let's make this happen. Why is it a part of your of your systems? Why is it such um, a crucial offering, uh, not only with you know MTSS, but just your entire district planning? Why do you use cultural navigation? I mean, why not? <laughs> I think it's probably a better question. Um, I mean, for us, we have so many languages and families that are resettling here or migrating here. We're doing a disservice, and it's it's not it's not fair to them, and um, and we're not setting anybody up for success if we don't do it. So it um, it makes things easier for us. It allows us to build better relationships with families and and the partners in the community. Um, and it allows the students and the families to be more successful. And I, you know, especially folks that have had incredible journeys here to Pennsylvania, and then to just throw them in this education system, you know, you need a safety net. And um, and I really think that's what navigation services. I could speak from the I could speak from the building level to say we were able to identify gaps and needs of families and students that we identified that we couldn't address without this level of support. So without it, I can clearly say that those gaps would have remained and existed and students wouldn't have, and families wouldn't have benefited from all that schools in our district had to offer without this sort of bridge through the cultural navigation. And I would add to that, you know, the why. On the 2020 census in the state of Pennsylvania, one out of seven individuals indicated that they speak an additional language or a language other than English. So when we think in our school systems, we think of English learners, but we really need to broaden that and understand that most of our school districts are experiencing demographics that are changing, and they include multilingual learners and families. So as Mark and Aaron have shared, in order to really shift our systems to be culturally and linguistically responsive, these are things that we must do. And we need to move the needle and understand that education is a multilingual experience. It's going to have to be as we move into the future. Maria, I thanks for kind of positioning that. And I think maybe that that raises another question on my side is uh, we we've we've heard these personal stories and the importance of cultural navigation for the students and their families, right at that 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 level. But um, I'm wondering if our our guests today can can share some perspective on the impacts that cultural navigation has on the overall school community. Um, outside of one student and their family, that relationship with their teacher, their navigator, what does that, are there ripple effects? What does it, what does it mean for an entire school or district? Sarah, I would like to go back to your question. I didn't speak fast enough. Sure. And um, I think what Erin and Mark get right is that when people move, 
uh, they bring culture with them. They bring language with them. They bring traditions with them. There is a Swahili saying that says, Mwachamila nimtumwa, that the person who leaves their tradition and culture becomes a slave or is a slave. So when people move and come into communities, for them not to be enslaved by the new culture, for them to retain their traditions and cultures, cultural navigation comes in because as a Swahili speaker, an African woman, I can walk into a space. Both Maria and I can walk into a space. Maria loves the kids. She loves the families. But I can see and hear things that she doesn't because of culture. Um, so doing cultural navigation is more than interpreting. It's just being aware of what is going on in a person's head that is from another culture, in their heart, in their traditions, to support them that way and to bring the school system into that culture and help administrators uh, understand what is going on in a person. Uh, I can give an example of that. There was a time we have wonderful teachers in the school district. When it was uh, during COVID, um, the, the students had to log in on their iPads. <laughs> and this teacher noticed that his student wasn't logging in and he was losing her. And in his desire to help her succeed, he called me. He said, I'm going to go to the house. And when I get there, I'll call you and you can help me. So he walks over to the house, calls me, and I turn my video on. And he's standing outside the door. And the student comes in and the mama comes to the door. So he starts helping the student how to log in. And he wants mom also to learn. And in that moment, I heard her say under her breath, in Swahili, why won't he come in my house? The teacher is over here doing what he needs to do. And, and I said, hold on a second. So I went to the mom and addressed that because in our cultures, when you come to my door, whether there's COVID or not, you come in the house. You don't stand outside. So this mom was thinking, why did the teacher refuse to come in my house? Is it, are we dirty? That's where minds go. Are we dirty? Are we so undeserving of his presence? Because in this culture, teachers are thought as higher than president. Because the teacher educates the whole community, the president, the doctor, you name it. They all go through the hand of the teacher. So the mom is thinking that, so I stopped the teacher and I went to address mom's issue. And I said to her, I said, you know, right now because of COVID, uh, teachers have been asked not to go into homes. And he came all the way here to help your daughter. Is it okay if you land with your daughter out here? And she said, oh. And so that day, mom and daughter were able to be successful. Both of them learned how to log in because there was a cultural navigator present. And I could hear and understand her mind 
and I could also assist in Langwin. So all I'm saying is the school districts that are, have cultural navigators, Swahili speakers, Arabic, French, whatever is needed, it's more than just language. It's culture reading what is going on. Lois, thank you so much for sharing that story and giving that perspective. Um, it's what you led off with was, you know, we have wonderful teachers. Um, but going back to what Mark and Aaron said is that they can't do it themselves. Without cultural navigation, there will continue to be gaps and unmet needs. Um, and I think that your story speaks to that. A great teacher with high quality instructional practices may still lack, right, that, that knowledge base and that experience to help a student and a family um, really access the services and engage at, at a great level. So I think that that story really paints that picture of we, it, it it does need to be a, a partnership. It needs to be this community effort. And there are folks that have skill sets and have backgrounds and experiences that really empower the entire community. So thank you for that. Um, I'd also like to, before we, before we kind of get back into this broader conversation, Something that you also mentioned that 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 really spoke to me and, and came back to this idea of cultural navigation as a systemic process as part of NTSS is, um, and and, and I, I I I can't repeat it because I don't know the the language, but uh, the same the the quote or the saying in Swahili that you gave just reminded me of the fact that um, you know cultural navigation is is not a a nice to have or uh, you know something just to kind of put out there as an extracurricular it is a it is a social justice practice and it is um it is a necessary tool and system to ensure that our students and families have equitable access to education and and that I think that's such so important to remember in these conversations um and it even goes back to Aaron's you know, remark that why wouldn't we do this? It is that important. So thank you. Yeah, it's so much more than like translation and interpretation. Like good, I think seven years ago, yes, it was like, oh my gosh, great. We have these bot, like these people that can provide translation and interpretation. But this is about relationships and we cannot be good educators and good education systems if we do not have relationships with students and families period. And cultural navigators are critical for building relationships because as you said, they have different experiences than, than we have. And, um, and it allows us to build relationships with the navigators, the navigators with the families. It opens the door then for the families to build relationships with the education system. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a gift. And furthermore, I would add Lois and and how articulate that she just she she laid it out perfectly in understanding you know this the buzz terms in education is culturally responsive and what we heard from Lois is the true understanding I get the question all the time is what does it truly mean and and Lois was able to show us that language is culture and culture is language you can't take one without the other and and in order to have cultural responsive practices through 
a system all the way down to instructional practices, as you mentioned, Sarah. It must include the knowledge. Now, you cannot know every culture. You cannot know every language. But understanding that the language that we use and the culture that we're from informs the way that we approach things. And we cannot go at it with this is right and this is wrong. And cultural navigation bridges that gap. And I just thank Lois for uh, you know sharing that with us. So that illustration, so we could just see that beautifully laid out. So using that, that, that example, and there's so many more, um, I would encourage our audience members to revisit the other episode to hear these, these anecdotes and these powerful moments that cultural navigators have navigated, literally navigated with, with students and families. I, I, I'll again raise the question, though, to help uh, our audience understand that it goes, the impacts go beyond those individual moments, and it goes beyond even that student and their family. How does cultural navigation impact the entire school and district community, even those students that are not involved in it or those the educators, the staff? What are the uh, the impacts and I, I would hope the benefits of having this system? I think that I can speak from that again from the school perspective. I think for Edward Hand and Southeast Middle School, as it's now identified as Hazel I. Jackson, but Edward Hand and Southeast at the time, I think that we the school was set up for success through the with the establishment of the memorandum of understanding between the IU and the Refugee Center and the school. On one of our early release Wednesday professional development days, they were able to come and help our school understand what the service was going to look like, who the families were that they were going to serve, and what their journeys were, whether they came from Africa or Burma or Nepal or Russia, the, Car the Caribbean, wherever they were coming from, like what their cultural traditions were, what their belief systems were what some of the needs are and overall just best practice approaches for supporting those families. So we didn't go into this relationship blind and the teachers had a, and the staff had a really good understanding of the why and the how and what it was going to look like. So that just eventually to answer your question actually helped us find ways to incorporate those new families and cultures into our school system and they became a part of our, our school family um, because this was new for all of us and especially our students. But I believe that that original introduction of what the service was gonna look like just was immeasurable on, on how it allowed the relationship to take off and eventually impact all of our students and families. We've also had opportunities where our cultural navigators provide professional development, not only to the buildings, as Mark said, but district-wide, um, which has been a huge resource. Again, not only talking just about what navigation is, but just their own lived experiences and the different cultures of, of families and students that, that are arriving here. And um, things to do or things not to do and, you know, how you can be offensive and you're not trying to be, but like, you need to know these things. And um, 
So that's been a, just, again, another resource that um, our staff and um, administrators in the district have been really able to benefit from. I would like to give an example of that, how it has impacted other students in school. So one day the school counselor invited me to a meeting because they were, they were, there, there was an English learner who was being bullied by other students. So I went into the setting and listened. And I realized that the, you know, what to call them, English learners or I don't know what title to give them, but the students who, who, who appear did not quite understand how it would feel to go to another country. So what I did was I created a PowerPoint and I took them to China imaginary. I said, so here you are, your mom doesn't know the language, you're, you don't know the language, and you don't know how to navigate at school. So I walked them through this whole experience, and I brought in a, another character who knew the language and how she met them at the grocery store, helped them, uh, purchased the food they needed because everything was in Chinese. And so I, I, we played this scene out with them and I said uh, how they went to school and there was the same girl, how much she helped them. And this was a female fight going on. So when I finished, I said, well, so she, this student, is in the same position like you are when you went to college. Now, you, how can you help her? And they started crying. And the, the girls started crying, the ones who had been doing the bullying. And we talked about it. We finished. I said, now you too, I would like for you to be her best friend and walk her home so nobody else ever bullies her. And that's what happened. So I think, and there was such a beautiful relationship with those three girls. So it is kind of like sometimes, I know even for me, there are things I don't understand. And there's a lot that children, students don't understand about each other, but it's bringing them together into each other's um, space, you know, and saying, this is how it is for this student. You know, how would you, how would you like to help her thrive and succeed in the school? Oh, Lois, you're you're just gonna melt hearts with this episode. Um, Maria, Josh, I know in our previous conversations we've we've discussed this too, the fact that when we're talking about cultural navigation as a system, we do need to kind of pull back the spotlight. And, and and pull it away from just we're helping this student and their family, right? We were using words in our previous conversations, not just this help, but this empower and this engage, right? And this involvement so that it, it, it's, it's not this one-way system. And Lois's example, or, or Lois, I apologize, Lois's example with those students is it paints that picture for us, but I'm wondering from your perspectives or experiences, are there other ways that you would explain that this is a this really does impact 
everybody in that school and district when cultural navigation is at play. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think in reflecting upon uh, Lois's words and, and what Aaron and Mark have shared today um, is that we're, we're really looking with cultural navigation to move the needle at the school level and at the family level. So we are tracking individual goals for students and the parents and guardians. And we want those goals to be meaningful to the student and to the school at the same time. And so that's one way to know that we are empowering individuals. Um, and we're also, um, and we're lucky because we work with individuals like Aaron and Mark who understand the need and the importance of diverse learners having equal access to education and communication as someone who you know was born in the United States and speaks English um, as their first language. But moving systems and influencing systems as a partnership together are really what has made this work within School District of Lancaster um, and IU-13's Refugee Center is the district openness to learning as well as our openness to learning. And so that collaboration piece is essential in moving those larger systems. Um, I'll give one example. Lois had a group of Swahili speaking community leaders um, who she mobilized and the former superintendent of school district of Lancaster met with. That's a, a really interesting example of parents and guardians from school district of Lancaster being able to have an opportunity to share their insight directly with the superintendent. Um, and what that means when you have community groups of leaders of parents who are able to feel valued, trusted um, by meeting with a high, a high level district official, um, that can be positive for all kinds of different learners. When there are increased communications between the decision makers at a district and the parents and guardians. And so I would say that that's one area where, where increased communication systems, feedback systems that a district's developing like School District of Lancaster impact not just English learners, but others as well. And these conversations trickle all the way down to the teachers that are the boots on the ground. The, the decisions that Josh, you know, just told us of a superintendent meeting with a group of parents and then administrators, principals like Mark making decisions for his team to have cultural navigation in the building and really making sure that it's a part of the, the full system. It's support for teachers. And now more than ever, as we see teachers exiting the classroom, we're looking for resources on how we can not just empower our families and our students, but our teachers. And we had we heard Lois talk about how many times parents coming from other cultures, they highly, highly value teachers and they and the profession of teaching. And when they come to our culture and they're learning about our school systems, for a principal to have cultural navigation in place already is communicating to the families that they serve and the teachers in which he is leading or she is leading, that this is a vital role that we 
hold. And we're here to support every player involved. And so um, I can't say enough about there's just a ripple effect with having cultural navigation be a part of if you have an MTSS framework in place, when you have IEP teams, not just bringing them in. I think Josh said it's not an afterthought or Sarah, you said it, but it's, it is an integral part that is a mainstay. It's always there. We've talked about in the past, if you have check and connect, you know, we think of that as a tier two or a tier three. Well, we heard Aaron and we heard Mark talking about that all of this needs to be tied to evidence-based qualitative and quantitative uh, processes that have purpose and design to improve their student outcomes. And they've been efficient and they've been effective. And they've talked about very, um, they've given specific examples on how to do that. So it, we know that just from hearing from them that this has to be a creative, strategic problem solving with all the players at the table. And so cultural navigation is just one of those, uh, those players at the table. So we've heard, um, We I, I hope everybody's had an opportunity to kind of share that that perspective or or really emphasize the the just the myriad impacts we, we discussed as kind of this ripple, right, outward from that one maybe relationship with uh, one student and their family. Coming back to that systems level, um, Aaron, you mentioned how you know, cultural navigation has uh, evolved over the years, uh, and now there are systems in place for professional development to introduce all of the teachers to it, or making sure that uh, you know the referral process is a is there's a procedure in place within the technology systems. I'm wondering um, to kind of close out our conversation today, coming back to that original question at the at the heart of everything. We know that cultural navigation is important. It's critical. It's valuable how do we operationalize it? So um, I'm gonna pose that question to the entire group from your perspectives. What wisdom can you share for ways to, to introduce it or to help make it effective as a system? What advice would you give others about operationalizing it? Sure, yeah. Um, so I think you, you have to have trust to do this. And um, because you're giving outsider and outside group access to like your full student information system, right? Not just like attendance, but like all the things and allowing navigators to also input into the system, which typically does not happen if you're not a district employee. And even then you have closed access, right? Um, but it's also about funding because like, Who's going to pay for this? And so we have a phenomenal relationship with the IE13 over the years that we've written grants together, some successful, some not, but we keep trying. Uh, we have really transparent conversations about what their needs are. What do we need to like move around? How do we access some different dollars, either locally or at the state or federally? Um, when we hear about that, you know, we're always trying to come together, like how can we expand things? And so you have to have trust to be able to have those really transparent conversations. Um, and I would say too, I mean, it, it is simple, but like embedding navigate, like the individual navigators into building level teams, if they're not seen, like we want them to have school district of Lancaster badges. We don't want them to wear their IU 13 badges <laughs> selfishly. We want the building and the students and the families to see like we're one unit and 
not just this provider that does this thing out here, but we're really integrated. And that takes time to get there. That doesn't happen overnight. Um, so like when it started seven years ago, I was like, hey, let's try this thing and see what happens. <laughs> um, but now it's it's very seamless. And when there are problems that arise, which it is inevitable, we're able to uh, you know, all come to the table to figure out what do we need to do? How do we need to pivot? What, you know, what do we need to adjust on? Um, because we have the same end game, which is students and families, right? We want them to be successful, so. And I think as, if I were to make a recommendation, it would be for other schools and districts to a la carte to contract. And what I mean by that is I go back to Maria's um, identification of qualitative and quantitative data. So what actually are the needs? Um, what are the services and and what are the hours that we think that this is going to require and tailor the contract to specifically to, towards those needs um and i think that that worked out wonderfully um, wonderfully for us and i think that one of the things that we discovered was sometimes we were short hours sometimes we needed more hours and aaron talks about the budget piece of it and kind of create that buffer for the availability it's easier to pull back than it is to add so add more hours into the contract in the budget. And I guess what you didn't ask for is my shameless plug. Because I love the refugee center and I love the navigational services. And I recently reconnected with Josh and Maria and then to see Lois on the screen, who was the navigator in my building, it just takes me back to a wonderful, warm feeling place. And it was just a pleasure to be here today. And there's my shameless plug. Lois, you have been, uh, you know, the kind of the shining light in this conversation, as others have already said, your perspective is unique, right? You are, you are on the ground, uh, you are in the school building. If you, if someone ran into you and was like, hey, I'm going to try to do this cultural navigation thing in my building, I'm a school principal, what should I do? What should I keep in mind? What advice would you give them? Um, I think it would be important for them probably to watch this pattern uh, podcast that are already out for them to understand what uh, cultural navigation is. I would also um, encourage them to talk to Erin, Mark, Maria, Josh, and get more insight into what cultural navigation is. They had time. I could continue to talk to them about cultural navigation and what results we have seen and the impact that cultural navigation has had in helping families thrive in Lancaster City. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the issue that Erin just talked about, about trust. Uh, that is the big, big thing. Uh, so a couple of times the school district sent out uh, communication that was tra translated into Swahili. They want, they would usually send me the Swahili uh, communication and the English so I would understand those. So this one time I see a message coming in and it says the late and the teacher's name. Okay, in Swahili that's what it said, Marehemu, which means the person who passed away and the teacher's name is, oh, who died? So I open it and the communication was, 
um, if you have late assignments for this teacher, you need to get them in. But the Google Translate translated and put Marehemu, which means the dead person. So I quickly called Adam and say, Adam, pull that, pull it. And that's where trust comes in, that he trusted me and could pull it. Another time it was a date thing. So the way we do dates is we start, the, the sunrise is, is always at six. So the first hour after sunrise is the first hour. So we say one. So when here in English, we are saying 7 a.m., we are saying one. Does that make sense? And then the second hour is two and you're saying eight. So we go that way. So this communication was sent out and I got it in English. When Google translated, everybody was supposed to meet at 11 a.m., okay? Google translated, same. Um, so it says, Moja, 11 a.m. In Swahili, that is 5 a.m. So again, I was, oh, pull that, pull that, let, let's work on it. So they're just little things like that that would be missed without the trust. Just sending that to us and us calling back, whether it's me or Jalila or uh, Taylor, whoever is doing this, calling back and saying, ah, let's, let's not, let's not send that one out. So just things like that, that truly um, work well when we all work together. It has been my pleasure to work with Erin and um, Mr. Sims at uh, Jackson and Maria and my very favorite um, supervisor, Josh. <laughs> I, I think that um, Lois is saying something that could be very easily underlooked. In her story with the translation problem, she mentioned reaching out to Adam. Adam Orham is the director of communications in the school district of Lancaster. Lois had a direct line to the director of communications in the school district of Lancaster to prevent a miscommunication and becoming a big confusion. I mean, I guess my point is this started with the word trust. And we trusted the fact that the relationship and the service that Lois provides gives her direct access to the director of communications in the school district of Lancaster. That That is like huge. It's so important that she could have that, that line of communication with, with that person at that level in the way that they reach families. Wow. Yeah. To hear you say that and to just emphasize that it goes, that's been a thread through, throughout our entire conversation today is that, right, the cultural navigators within the school district of Lancaster are valued, right? They're not these just external contractors or people coming in. They are a part of the system. They are a part of that community. Maria and Josh, uh, you've get you've gotten some kudos from across the board. I hope you're feeling pretty good about yourself. But to to close us out today, are there are there any other uh, bits of wisdom or resources that you'd like to um, to mention before we before we end our discussion? I think I would like to say what was what's been underscored here is that although schools from Lancaster, as far as uh, amount of English learners, they do. Uh, service, which is in excess of uh, 2,000, 
Um, you know, you may be listening to this and thinking, well, we're not a school that's nearly that size. The fact that you've heard about this trust and this partnership that exists between the IU 13 and the School District of Lancaster, um, that's the key. No matter if you're a school that services 10 or you're a school that services 3,500. Uh, again, I cannot emphasize enough, it's not just the amount of English learners that you have in your, in your district, it's considering your entire community and knowing who your community is. And here in this podcast today, we heard um, from a part of what makes up the community uh, in Lancaster. And that's this partnership between a school district, a partnership between the IU through Patton, and there's many other players that you heard about and some that you haven't even seen. And so that's really what it is. It's this collaborative effort. So um, I think that to learn more, to reach out to Patton or the IU 13, because really, Gaining that trust is through working with a quality organization that has done it and knows what they're doing, and that would be the Refugee Center at the IU 13. So we want more opportunities for IUs and districts to be able to hear from them, learn from what they've done, as we heard from the School District of Lancaster, learn from how they've used uh, cultural navigation for the past seven years, and just let that spread throughout the state. And on on my end, I, I really don't have anything to add. Um, I just want to say a, a sincere thank you um, to everyone for for joining this call. Um, and honestly, it really is a model that has grown out of a partnership. We would not have been able to create the model that we have today if it weren't for School District of Lancaster, if it weren't for a collaborate a collaborative relationship where we are learning and growing together. So thank you. So on that note, um, I know that we'll we'll share some uh, links in the show notes for our audience members to learn more about cultural navigation and, and get in touch with, with Josh and Maria to have deeper conversations and, and receive support in, in pursuing establishing the system elsewhere across the Commonwealth. I'd like to again thank all of our guests today, Maria, Josh, Aaron, Lois, and Mark. Your experience and wisdom are so valuable, and I'm sure that folks will, will be enjoying this, this episode, but will we'll take a lot with them out of it. I'd also like to thank our producer today, John Ragsdale, and our audience, of course. Viewers and listeners, please don't forget to, to circle back to the previous episode about cultural navigation. Check out the links in the show notes and come back to Pat and Pod and find a, a different episode very soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.